Hey, this is Phil Yana with the Tech After Five podcast. And, uh, you know, we are in a unique time, right? I mean, I know we've been talking about uh, COVID-19 and response, but the fact that the fact government has reached in and shut down small business. I mean, it makes sense. It's what happens. But now there's a number of economic relief programs, and it's kind of hard to figure out how they uh, apply to small businesses. So we thought we would bring in an expert and have that conversation and hopefully deliver some useful information to you about the programs that are out there at this Red Hot Minute. So we know this, you know, we're recording this right now. It's uh, April 15th a date most folks normally would have on their calendar anyway. Um, You know, there's the Ides of March and then there's the Ides of April. And uh, this is usually the big ones, but all that, but even now that's changed in this current environment. So we're going to talk about the economic impact and then how, what are the programs out there that can help you as someone who might be running a small tech business, get this all figured out. So to help me ask good questions, I have uh, once again brought in my co-host and good friend, Scott Pfeiffer. Hey, Scott. Hey, Phil. I'm uh, really excited to be here. Uh, we have a great guest, and I have questions. So, Yeah, I think, we're, I think we're pretty lucky in that regard. So we've got Earl Gregorich with us. He is with the SBDC for the state of South Carolina. Earl, welcome to the Tech After Five podcast, friend. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, I, you know, let me just say this is Earl on the hot seat, right? I mean, we you, you know, we, we just come with questions. You come with answers. Um, Earl, first off, tell people uh, who you are and why we're talking to you. Sure. So I'm Earl Gregorich. I'm the area manager for the Small Business Development Center here in Greenville. I'm part of a 20-office network here in the state of South Carolina, 1,000 offices across the United States. There are 50 consultants just like myself here in South Carolina. So um, if I don't have the answer, I probably know a consultant that does have the answer. Uh, a little bit about my background. I've been an entrepreneur three times over. All of my businesses have been online uh, services of some sort. Uh, we were building websites back in the day when it was just Notepad and, and HTML and moved into e-commerce and and uh, then moved into uh, online marketing. So uh, been in business, carried a payroll, had all the joys of running a business, just like most of the people that uh, are in the audience today. And uh, SBDC was actually my best client. And at some point in the, in the conversation, they figured out it was probably going to be cheaper to hire me than to continue to pay me as an entrepreneur. So <laughs> I've been doing this for about 15 years, and I still have my business on the side, but uh, not, not really all that active anymore. I just service existing clients, but uh, that's a little bit about me. Well, that's a, that's a great start. And I guess that's good, too, because, you know, you've got a little bit of emotional involvement in what's going on, right? When people come to you with problems, you understand what uh, what they've got going on inside their world and what the stresses might be from running a small business. Yep, definitely. That's uh it, it, it helps you relate. And, and in some cases, it, 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 it causes you to take a step back for a moment. I know uh, I've said in a few of my talks, you know, there's been some calls come in where you got to take a break afterwards because they, they just grab a hold of you, you know, and, and it's a very emotional time for a lot of folks. And having been in those shoes, it's, uh, it's something that, that makes you take a step back and catch your breath every now and then. 
Yeah, I, and it's the real deal. And, you know, Scott and I, of course, have talked to a lot of entrepreneurs in this space on our, ourselves, and uh, they are stressed. I mean, some more than others, right? I mean, some folks have, have seen yeah. it really hard and some kind of figuring out how they're going to float through it. But I think there's just a whole pile of different things going on. So let me, let me start with the first bit. Kind of talk about what the basic programs are. And I'm going to start with the easy question. Let Scott get to the hard questions later, right? But let's start. What are the, just kind of outline for us, what are the programs and what are folks, what should they be doing right now, right? What's the, what is in this moment in time, what should they be doing? Well, first and foremost, you, you need to uh, prep yourself mentally. Uh, this is this is a marathon; it's not a sprint. Um, you you should be focusing on the numbers, primarily cash flow, uh, preparing some financial data to get yourself in position for some of the programs that are available. Um, most all of the programs have some baseline of numbers that you're going to have to work from to calculate loan amounts or advances or, or whatever. So if you don't have a good grasp on the numbers of your business, right now is a really good time to get a hold of that. And uh, frankly, as a consultant, I hope that this uh, actually develops into a, a habit. Uh, you can get those numbers together, keep those numbers together because you're finding out how valuable it is to have those right now right yeah and but there so there are there are two or three i guess basic programs that people ought to be applying to at this moment right yes so uh depending upon the status of your business how how many uh folks you have if it's a one person show or you have just a few employees or maybe you have 1099 workers there there's different uh, strategies in the programs, but the basics that we're seeing right now is you should be considering uh, unemployment benefits, which is highly unusual for most of us that are self-employed. We've never been able to apply for that in the past, but there's that. There's the economic injury disaster loans, who are otherwise referred to as EIDL or EIDL. And then there's the PPP program, which is the Paycheck Protection Program <clears throat> that uh, applies as well. There's some other outlying uh, benefits that might apply. So you've got tax uh, tax credits on payroll taxes. You've got pa uh, tax deferrals on payroll taxes. There's also uh, payments on SBA loans have been deferred uh, and in some cases forgiven depending upon the loan. So you've got that. And then you've got a, a, a handful of, of private entities that are doing some things for businesses out there as well. So all of those are available. And I think that's probably where we get started. I think, Scott, why don't you, you grab it from here? And then I, th I think there's some other stuff I'll come back to. Okay. I think uh, for most small businesses in the upstate right now, the two sort of most relevant programs is this payroll protection program and the economic injury disaster loan. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about what each of those are and how they work together? Sure. So uh, idle or economic injury disaster loan is uh, a little bit more flexible in how it can be used. You can use that for payroll as well as the operating expenses that otherwise, if, if, if you couldn't keep up with them, your business would have to go out of business. So I point to the general and administrative expenses or the operating expenses section of the income statement when we're talking about those kinds of, of uh, expenses that it can cover. 
it also covers a wider period of time. So you can, you can cover some of the expenses you've incurred up to now. You can also wait and get that after the PPP and extend maybe the funds available to the business. Um, so you've got that. It's, it's, it's available through the sba.gov website, 15 minute application. It does uh, also have an advanced feature uh, when you make application, it will ask you, are you interested in receiving an advance on this loan? It can be up to $10,000, and it's basically uh, figured based on the number of employees that you have for your small business. Um, you can get up to $25,000 in this program unsecured. So it's basically a signature loan for that up to that amount. And then anything between the $25,000 and the $2 million cap that's on the uh, idle loan, that might require uh, security or will require security in that case. Uh, but the, the terms of the loan would end up being 3.75% and you may ha have up to 30 years to pay it back. Uh, in contrast to the idle loan, you have the PPP program. That program is set up to cover a more specific round of expenses that will only cover payroll, mortgage interest, rent, and utilities. So you're, you're restricted somewhat in what you can use that for, especially if you're looking for that uh, forgiveness at the other end of this. Um, and then also the amount. The amount is restricted it at basically two point two and a half times whatever your average payroll might be. Uh, so it's meant to cover an eight-week period of payroll, so to speak. And I understand if you get both of them, then you can't use the idle money to cover the that eight weeks of payroll expense and and the utilities and the rent. Is that right? Right, you can't double dip on the program. So if you used idle funds to pay, say, May's payroll, you can't also use PPP's funds to pay May's payroll. Uh, you can certainly have both. You just have to watch that you're not using the same expenses on each program. And if you got an idle loan first and then applied for PPP, you can just convert some of that idle loan money into the PPP forgivable money at the time you uh, process it. Is that right? It depends on how you use the idle uh, funds. If you use idle funds for non-payroll, then you do not have to roll it in. But if you use any amount of the idle funds for payroll, you do have to roll it in. So uh, it's not a choice. You do have to roll it in if you used it for payroll. And that would reduce the amount of the money of the new money you get under the PPP, but it would make that idle money forgivable instead of just a loan. Is that right? In in concept, yes, that's what we're saying. Because the uh, the PPP program can be up to a hundred percent forgiven, where idle is limited to whatever your advance was. So if you only received a thousand dollars of of that ten thousand dollar cap, then you're only going to have be eligible for that thousand dollar forgiveness. Right. Now, I know um, several people who have applied for these idle loans through the SBA website, and a few of them have gotten their 10000 advance, but I don't know any of them who have actually received any information to begin processing that loan. Is, it, is the idle program on, kind of on hold while we work on the PPP, or are those moving forward? 
Actually, both programs are moving forward. They're being managed kind of separate programs. So you've got the banking system running the PPP program with an SBA oversight, and then you've got the SBA and the Treasury running the IDLE program. So uh, what we're seeing is IDLE really got overwhelmed in the beginning. We've, we, we're on version 3.0 of the application process. First version was crashed uh, within a few hours of it opening. Second version was kind of a fill-in until we could get to version 3.0, and now we've got the 15-minute process for idle right now. The pro the, what we're getting now as far as processing goes we're actually seeing idle funds being uh, delivered. Uh, some of the advances have been delivered uh, to this point. Um, my fellow consultants and I are starting to get reports back from clients we've been working with for the last four weeks saying, hey, I got my, my advance money. Uh, and then, of course, their, their next question is, so when do I get my loan money? And uh, the typical answer to that question is 35 to 40 days 30 to 45 days out from application is when we should start seeing answers on the loan portion of idle. And then that would be followed by a, if, if, if you received an offer anyway, you'd get a uh, mail in the mail, you would get the closing documents that you would then process send back to SBA. Once those are approved, then there'll be a five to seven day waiting period before funding would actually occur. So it is, it is kind of a longer road than PPP, but it is in process and we are seeing some results on that. So if I have gone on the SBA website and filled in, it's a very brief uh, form, online form that you fill in. It's basically contact information, your uh, gross revenues and your cost of goods sold, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, I've done that and I've gotten my SBA. You get an SBA loan number at the end of that uh, process. Mm -hmm. What's the next step? I would just, will I get a, is, are there, is it going to be an email requesting more documents and information from me or a loan offer? What, what happens next? The next step is wait patiently. <laughs> but uh, what we're seeing is, is having after, after the waiting period there of uh, receiving the app, most individuals are receiving an email that outlines how the funds will be paid out, uh, generally speaking, how, what the, that equation looks like. It also gives them a comparison of the PPP and IDLE program all in that one email. It's fairly generic. Uh, but after they've received that, they can kind of take that as, hey, we've got your application and we're processing it. If they've gotten that email, they know they're at least in line. And uh, that typically is followed by either an email or a deposit of funds for the advance at some point. And, and I hate to put a timeline on that because everybody's experiencing something a little bit different. But probably within a week to two weeks, they should see some result of either a, an email for additional information or that ad, initial advance amount. If you have uh, applied online and gotten your SBA number, but you haven't received that first email, uh, is there anything you need to do or just wait is fine? Just wait patiently right now. You have the option of contacting the SBA disaster uh, customer service by email or phone. 
and ask questions, ask for status. We're not hearing back from clients that uh, that there's a whole lot that can be given to you on, on one of those calls, but uh, you're welcome to make that call. I think as time goes on, more and more information will become available to those operators, but right now it's, it's kind of, okay, just kind of be patient. We're working on it. You know, the way this timing is kind of working out with the idle being sort of a longer process, it looks to me like a lot of businesses are going to get their PPP loan and maybe even go through the whole eight weeks before the idle loan comes in. If that happens, can I use the idle funds to pay payroll that happens after the eight-week PPP period? You can. Yeah. In fact, uh, there's a lot of companies that have strategized to do just that. They're looking at it from the standpoint of, you know, you know eight weeks is really not that long of a period of time, especially when we're looking at recovery. Uh, there's going to be a ramp up once once the doors are opened again that we're still not going to be seeing the revenues at the pace that we were prior to this. So, yeah, there's, a, there's companies out there that are actually strategizing to use IDLE for that purpose. Right. Let's uh, shift to the PPP a little bit. Now, if I have a sort of a normal small business where all my employees are W-2 employees, then that PPP calculation is fairly easy. I take the trailing years uh, W-2 off of my, you get that data from the 940, 941s you file with the uh, unemployment or, you know, uh, for FICA and all that. And then you can add to it money that you've put in for health insurance for employees, mm-hmm. um, company matches to retirement plans, little things like that. And then it's uh, you divide it by 12 to get your one-month average, you times 2.5, and boom, there's your loan request, right? Correct. That's your maximum loan possible. And uh, I saw, I think, last night they put out guidance on what you do if you're a, an independent contractor who reports your income on Schedule C to your 1040. Mm-hmm. Um, and tell me a little bit about how that works. What do, you, what do I do if I'm an independent contractor, I receive a 1099, and I report my income on Schedule C? So what they're saying under the new guidance, and uh, I literally was reading over that prior to this to this call here. So me too. Um, it's it's basically stating if you have not filed your taxes yet and completed your Schedule C for 2019, they want you to go ahead and fill out a Schedule C for 2019, even though you haven't filed it. And they're going to use that as your basis for calculating that payroll amount. Um, There's uh, some additional guidance in there regarding uh, adding in your 1099 miscellaneous reports. There's also information on there about some of the additional um, uh, deductible expenses that you can carry into this and so on. So um, that's all pretty fresh information, but uh, it does clearly lay out for uh, for those of us who don't have W-2 situations how to go through that step by step. Yeah, it looks like you're basically going to take the net income from that Schedule C, and that's what you're going to multiply by 2.5. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then for the forgiveness, it's going to be essentially 
that exact same number, the the net income from 2019 times eight weeks. Right. And they're, they're saying that um, they're using that eight week period to keep it in, in line basically with the same type of, of scenario that would happen with the W2 company. So yes. So one question I had, and that several people I've been working with have is what if you are uh, a member of a partnership like an LLC and rather than reporting your income on schedule C, you're actually the partnerships filing a partnership tax return and you're getting a K one. Mm-hmm. Is there any guidance out there for what to do about people who get K ones? They don't get W twos and they don't get they don't report on Schedule C. They they get a K one. Right. So the uh, ruling, as best I understand it right now, and again, this was new information as of the la- last night. I think um, the partnership entity would file for the PPP. The individual partners would not. So if they're looking to calculate um, their their amount of the loan, they would go off of the, the tax filing, the Schedule C basically of the partnership filing. It's not gonna be on an individual basis. So it would go back up the ladder to that highest form, that highest entity, which in this case would be the partnership. I see. And so you would, they would base it on the partnership's net income rather than the, uh, the Schedule C individual's net income. Correct. Okay. That's interesting. All right. And then they would be able to forgive eight weeks worth of that profit plus the expenses they're talking about are like rent, but only rent on a, a business, not your, not your house rent, but if you Correct. have a warehouse or if you have an office, utilities that you pay at that warehouse or office, those sorts of things. Right. As long, if you have a lease and you're paying rent in, uh, in accordance to that lease, then that's the rent that they're talking about primarily. Right. So if you apply for this PPP and let's say you calculate out your numbers and you come up with uh, – is going to be your loan amount, Mm -hmm. but you received the $10,000 advance under the idle. Do you deduct that 10,000 from the 50 you qualified for, or how does that work together? Right. So the amount of the advance would be deducted from the PPP total because you've already been forgiven for that amount. Right. And uh, they just don't want you doubling up on the forgiveness part. So if I calculate it out and I'm only going to get 10 grand and I've already gotten the 10 grand, I, there's no reason to even apply for the PPP. I'm, I'm good to go already. That's an option. Uh, it just depends upon, again, what is the need of the company? Um, early on when we were putting these together, we were advising clients, okay, look, you know, if you've got operating expenses uh, to some degree that you need to cover, then idle is probably a good thing for that. And then turn around and do PPP strictly for payroll. That way you're getting the maximum benefit from both programs. So uh, you just kind of have to look at each individual company and figure out what strategy matches best. That's great advice. Um, Bill? Got any questions? I've been dominating the conversation so far. This is exactly where I wanted this thing to go, right? I mean, I I knew this is a thing that you'd been thinking about, and I wanted you to bring the audience's questions forward for us. So do you think when the loans are paid, do you think that will those come in lump sums or will those be tranches? We're hearing right now that it depends upon the loan amount. So if it's a smaller amount, um, 
uh, that advance amount, obviously, that would be a, a lump sum. Right. Uh, but the, if the, let's say you have a loan portion of the idle or you have a PPP uh, amount, that depending upon the amount that it is, they may put it in a monthly uh, uh, loan funding or they may give it to you in lumps. So most of the clients that I've talked to, we're talking fairly small numbers, uh, relatively speaking anyway, uh, they've been getting lump sums. I do have a couple clients that are in the six, seven figure mark and we're expecting those obviously to come in a series of, of rounds of funding for those. Gotcha. So what advice, and I know I've heard you say some of this before, but for our audience, talk a little bit about folks who are having challenges working with their standard lenders, right? I mean, some of those are kind of collapsed under the weight of these applications. What's your advice to them? Yeah, uh, for a couple of days there, uh, it seemed like every other phone call was on fire about who what, who they were banking with, how it was going wrong, and so on. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I understand the situation, and, and, but we also have to understand that nobody knows the rule, knew the rules, and still, in some cases, don't know all the rules. And they didn't have the, the, the processes in place. And, and some of the banks, frankly, had never even been SBA lenders till this point. So um, kudos to them for turning around in a week. That, that actually is not too bad uh, to go from ground zero to a, in a week be funding folks there. But for those of them, the folks that are having difficulty with their current bank, usually it's because, okay, I'm not, they're not an SBA lender. I can't apply through them. So when I go next door to the other bank, they're saying, well, you can't apply through us because you're not a business client of ours and we're doing, we're only doing clients. Uh, That's probably the biggest hurdle right now. We are seeing new lenders come online on a regular basis and uh, everybody can check what new lenders are available at the SBA.gov website. Uh, So the smaller banks we're seeing are opening their doors a little bit wider, maybe uh, adding on new clients. They're not necessarily adhering to that clients only policy. And then you have a wide array of online lenders that are now participating as well. And, you know, I know that there's some stigma behind some online lenders, but uh, if you do your homework, make sure that you're uh, dealing with a legitimate SBA lender online. There's no harm in that. Um, there are some recognizable names in that marketplace. PayPal, I believe, and Square have both opened up for PPP. Uh, Intuit is soon going to be opening up a portal to apply for PPP. Nav.com, which monitors business credit, they've had their PPP portal open for a little while. So there's that route that you can take. And I've actually had some clients take that route because they just had no other local choice to, to, to pursue. Yeah, let me ask a slightly more specific question. I have one uh, company I've been working with uh, that I'm their strategy consultant, but they've been trying to get this PPP process through their local commercial bank who will remain unnamed. Mm-hmm. Um, and they went through the whole process. They got the application. Those guys were great. They put in all the information, you know, this PPP that you got to put in, you get to give them their 940s, your balance sheet, your income statement. It was all this documentation and forms to be filled out. They submitted it all. They got approved for a loan amount. They got an SBA number, loan number. Mm -hmm. 
And then they got an email that says, we're completely overwhelmed. It's going to be several weeks before we're able to do anything else, uh, which made them want to go smash their head through a wall. So <clears throat> they've yeah. gotten some good referrals to some, like you said, there's a, there's a couple online platforms and there's a credit union uh, that they've gotten a referral to and that seem to be processing these things more quickly. But the question is, if I already have that SBA loan number through a particular bank, can I switch horses now? Or is that going to mess everything up? Yeah, we we had that question in an earlier session this morning. And my, my answer to that is, you know, certainly you can take whatever path you think is necessary up until the point that you're in a position to close on the loan. You can only have one PPP loan. So if they've got the loan number, but they have not closed on that yet, um, they certainly could pursue a, another angle at getting that PPP loan and see if it's going to move through quicker. The mm -hmm. difficulty they're going to have is when that application goes up to SBA, SBA is going to see that number that's pending and mm -hmm. probably require additional information to make sure that, um, that some, they're not trying to go in for two different yeah. loans. So yeah, they have to I be careful with that. I think there's even a question on the form that says, have you applied uh, for any yeah. funds? Yeah. So they just have to make sure that they're upfront and explaining the situation because we have had some banks that, um, you know, the portal's open. Now the portal's not open. Now, now we're at our cap and, and now we're not at our cap and so on. So we get that and, and everybody's trying to push through the system. So we're all trying sure. to cooperate. <laughs> everybody's trying to get along. Exactly. <laughs> well, Earl, what, um, I think Scott's kind of hit a bunch of hot spots here. Is there anything we, you know, we should have been asking but didn't? Is there some spot to this? I mean, again, I know it's all new information. This is changing all the time. Is there something new that we should be concerned about or some other advice you'd want to make sure people knew about? Well, I would make sure that if you have an, S, an existing SBA disaster loan of any kind, that, that you realize that those loans have been deferred uh, for six months. So um, that's something that you won't have to necessarily worry about for a short, short period of time anyway. And then if you have an SBA loan, not, not a disaster loan, but an SBA loan, a 504 or 7A type loan, there is a forgiveness program on that. You should be contacted by your current lender uh, telling you that uh, those automatic drafts that you have coming out of your account are probably not going to occur uh, for the next six months. And that's, a, that's an actual forgiveness of those payments. So you've got that program going on. Now, and you're, you mean forgiveness rather than deferment, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, something totally unheard of, but uh, right. it's ha it's happening. So uh, you've got that going on. Um, as I mentioned earlier, the the unemployment uh, benefit is there for those of you who might think that that, that might apply. Uh, anyone from a gig worker to a sole proprietor to uh, you know just a, a single member LLC can apply for those benefits right now. So. Um, 
I wouldn't just focus on the loans. I would look to see what else is available out there. If you're using any major services through larger corporations, chances are they're doing something. They're, they're reducing or eliminating fees right now. They're, they're offering services maybe for free that you otherwise have had, would have had to pay for. So do some poking around. Don't just, don't just focus on getting that loan money. Uh, there's other ways that you can get more cash flow through your business right now. Yeah, that's great advice. Uh, the unemployment benefits, you would just apply through the state unemployment office, right? That's correct. And my, we got a memo yesterday saying that uh, I believe it stated that the next week should see the first uh, additional funding roll out from the federal uh, funds that were to come down to the states, that additional $600 a week, I believe it was, that's finally hit and they would start be able to um, fund that now. That's great. So if you're a laid off uh, wait staff or cook staff employee from a restaurant or something like that, you can go down and, and get those unemployment benefits and you're going to you hopefully get that extra $600 and that's going to help you out. Right. And I will say that's been, of all the people I've talked to in four weeks, I have not had a single person call me up and say, hey, how do I, how do I get out from under all of this? Everybody has said, how do I get my people paid? Everybody's yeah. concerned about their payroll. Everybody's concerned about their employees. And, you know, the fact that this unemployment benefit is there uh, gives them the, the tools that they need to try and make sure that their staff is there at the other side of this. Yeah. Um, I had another question and I just lost it. Um, so if you decide not to take advantage of the PPP, you mentioned there are a couple things that you can do with your payroll taxes anyway. There's, a, there's the ability to defer your payroll tax payments. And if you've got staff that's home sick with coronavirus or taking care of children, mm -hmm. you can actually take a credit against your payroll taxes for uh, paid time off that you're giving them. Is that right? Right. So um, just flipping over here to one of my information sheets on that. Um, but basically what we're looking at is the amount of payroll taxes that you normally would pay during this time. Um, they're allowing you to say, okay, you don't have to pay it now like you normally would, which gives you additional cash for cash flow. And they're going to allow you to pay 50% of, uh, in next year's tax uh, reporting, and then the other 50% in the following year's tax reporting. So again, injection of some, some cash back into your payroll that you wouldn't otherwise have to have. And then there's also a, um, uh, a tax forgiveness uh, based on per, a, a per employee calculation. Right. And that deferment of tax is interest-free. You're not going to be charged interest or fees on that for deferring it. You just get to defer it and uh, pay it, but you pay the amount you would have paid anyway. That's my understanding, yes. So but that, you can't a, do that uh, if you do the PPP. Right. You can't do both. And uh, just just to be clear, I think I said tax forgiveness. It's, it's tax credit is what it is. It's, it's not a tax forgiveness per se. That's right. You take a tax credit. Right. Okay. Um, if there are people out there that are sort of struggling with deciding which of these programs they should apply for or how they do it or anything, can they contact your office for help and guidance? 
Absolutely. Um, the SBDC network, uh, I, I kind of outlined how large we were and how many of us, of us there are. Uh, we pride ourselves with being able to return uh, contact with our with all of our, our touch points within a 24-hour period. Uh, I have, will say that in my office, the bulk of all the calls inbound, all the emails inbound are getting answered same day. So... Wow. Um, that in comparison to some of the other outlets that you would otherwise go to for answers, uh, I think we're, we're able to turn those pretty well. So definitely reach out to our offices by email, by phone. We'd be happy to help all we can. Yeah. So just kind of covering our footprint, you know, we're primarily in the Carolinas and Arkansas, but you're covering the South Carolina SBDC, but there's a similar network in North Carolina and Arkansas and other places in the U.S. Absolutely. And you can go, every SBDC network will have an, a statewide website. Ours is scsbdc.com. And then you have a nationwide, if you're not sure where your local SBDC is or how to contact them, there's a nationwide site. It's uh, americasasbdc.com. Uh, and uh, you can go to that website, type in your zip code, and uh, it will tell you what offices are nearby and phone numbers and so on. And yeah. your assistance is free of charge. Is that right? Absolutely. Uh, not only just now, but uh, uh, all, all the time. There's no charge for our one-on-one -on -one consultations. Everything that you tell us is held confidential. And uh, most all of our training classes are low or no fee as well. So we do classes on a regular basis, everything from QuickBooks to web design and business planning. And then, um, of course, if you just contact us needing a resource or who do I see for that or where do I get this form or whatever, we always are there for that, that kind of work as well. Yeah, I, I just think the SBDC has always been just a wonderful resource and not enough people know about it. And that's one of the reasons I was glad that you had a few minutes to come and chat with us today, because I think uh, hopefully we can go tell a whole lot more people, give them some great advice. But if they need to know more, there are folks out there like you, Earl, who are ready to help them and figure this out. Yep, we appreciate the the shout out and helping us get the word out. We we don't get an opportunity to market a whole lot, but uh, unfortunately, we rely on things like this to get the word out. Uh, the, the disasters and things people do find <laughs> us uh, pretty quickly then. But uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I I think it you know it is a great resource all of the time. Right now, this is a moment where you might be one of the real shining spots in this. There's opportunity to get some help and uh, you're the folks who are going to understand this best. So Earl, I really appreciate you uh, taking time out to talk to us for about the Tech After Five audience and kind of help them understand what's going on. And, uh, you know, we'll uh, can put the contact info for the SBDC offices in the notes for this so people can find it. If they want to talk to you guys some more, they can find whoever is closest to them and who could help them. Sounds great. Yeah. Earl, thanks so much. It was great. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you.